Amen. Well, welcome once again to the house of the Lord. It's great to be in the Lord's house on Sunday. Amen. If you have your Bibles, please open up to the book of Genesis, chapter 37. Genesis 37, beginning at verse 1. Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic, a coat of many colors. Verses 4 and 5, But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. Verse 5 in the NLT, one night, Joseph had a dream. So Joseph dreams a dream, a dream fashioned by God, a dream given by God. A dream that was divine, a dream that would set in motion the course of Joseph's life. Some give up on dreams. Some give up early on. Some give up along the way. And some give up just shy of dawn's break. Now, I don't want to focus so much on Joseph the dreamer, but rather on Joseph the believer. You see, the enemy hates dreamers in the kingdom. Why? Because dreamers are believers. You see, the reality is dreams die when we no longer dare to believe. The enemy despises those that believe the word of the Lord. Those that cling to the word of the Lord. A word from the Lord, a promise, those that trust in it and hold to it and give their lives to it no matter how things play out. And so the enemy goes after the believing spirit. You see, Joseph took God at his word or he would have packed it in. He would have given up. What I find amazing is that it's never recorded that Joseph stopped believing. All that he faced, all the roadblocks, all the difficulties, he never stopped believing. Many pressures and forces come against the believer because, as I said, the enemy hates a believing spirit, and so what he tries to do is to drive it out of us however he can. 
to drive out that believing spirit. The enemy seeks to silence the believing spirit. The enemy seeks to kill the believing spirit. To have us pack it in when ridiculed. The enemy seeks to break the believing spirit. The enemy even seeks to discredit and shame the believing spirit. And the enemy seeks to lock up and imprison our believing spirit. Verses 5 to 8. Now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. So he said to them, please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There we were, binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And indeed your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brothers said to him, shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. We read verse 9, Then he dreamed still another dream, and told it to his brothers and said, Look, I have dreamed another dream. And this time the sun, the moon, and the eleven stars bowed down to me. Verses 10 and 11, So he told it to his father and his brothers, and his father rebuked him, and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. The Bible says that his brothers hated him. It's recorded that they couldn't even speak peaceably to him. And then the Bible says that they envied him. Hatred and envy breed destruction. And so here is Joseph, this dreamer, believer, one who is daring to believe the Lord. Here he is clinging to a word from the Lord, hanging on to a word from the Lord. Verses 12 to 24, then his brothers went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers feeding the flock in Shechem? Come and I will send you to them. So he said to him, Here I am. And he said to him, Please go and see if it is well with your brothers and well with the flocks and bring back word to me. So he sent him out of the valley of Hebron and he went to Shechem. Now a certain man found him and there he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him, saying, What are you seeking? So he said, I'm seeking my brothers. Please tell me where they are feeding their flocks. And the man said, They have departed from here. For I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them in Dothan. Now when they saw him afar off, even before he came near them, they conspired against him to kill him. Then they said to one another, look, this dreamer is coming, this believer. This one that's clinging to a word from the Lord. 
hanging on to a promise of God. Come, therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit, and we shall say, some wild beast has devoured him. We shall see what will become of his dreams. But Reuben heard it, and he delivered him out of their hands and said, let us not kill him. And Reuben said to them, shed no blood, but cast him into this pit, which is in the wilderness. and Do not lay a hand on him, that he might deliver him out of their hands and bring him back to his father. So it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the tunic of many colors that was on him. Then they took him and cast him into a pit. You know, can I say something today? I highly doubt Joseph thought things were going to play out this way. Seventeen-year-old having received a word from the Lord. For him, it was a word that would set in motion the rest of his life. Are you here today holding on to, clinging to a word from the Lord? Perhaps it's not one that will set your future like it is for Joseph, but you might be here today hanging on to a word of promise, a word of the Lord. I highly doubt Joseph thought things were going to play out this way. And the truth is, he couldn't interpret his own dreams. He didn't understand. He shared the dreams, but he couldn't understand. He didn't know the play-by-play and the timeline that he was about to face. The reality is that many seek to interpret their own dreams and how they are to play out. Many seek to interpret their own believing and how it's going to play out. I mean, think about it today. Who would choose the path Joseph had to take? Show of hands. I mean, who would go to God and say, Lord, I want to be used. Let's do it like this. Let's let it play out like, like this. Dream. A word from the Lord, a promise, a word given by you, and then let's throw in a little rejection. How about a pit? Let's take it one step further. Slavery. Unjustly accused. How about a prison term? Forgotten, and then finally realized. How does that sound, Lord? You know, perhaps it was the best road for the Lord to use to get Joseph where he needed him. Or perhaps it was part of the plan because the Lord needed to test and try and prove 
the one daring to believe. And I wonder if the Lord had given Joseph the timeline and the play-by-play if Joseph would have given up on believing. I'm not sure. I don't think so. I don't believe so. Because Joseph was sold out for the Lord. You know, Joseph was never given a timeline or a play-by-play. The Lord never told him of all he had to endure, all he was going to have to face, all the roadblocks. No, that's not what happened here. And it seems most often to not happen that way with us. The Lord gives us a word. We're holding on to a promise of God, clinging to his word believing. And he doesn't give us the play-by-play or the timeline. He just says, believe. Believe. Trust me. Have faith in me. There's this old quote, the Lord gets his best soldiers out of the highlands of affliction. You think of all that Joseph had to go through. We're going to take in the history. All that he had to face, all the roadblocks. I'd say today that the Lord gets his best dreamers and believers out of the highlands of affliction. We need to understand that the dream, or whatever the Lord has us believing for, isn't so much about us as it is about the Lord and the unfolding of his will. We need to keep this in mind so that we remain humble. I want to share these words. Charles Spurgeon. I learned when I was a boy that the chief end of man was to glorify God and enjoy him forever. But I hear now, according to the new theology, that the chief end of God is to glorify man and enjoy him forever. Yet this is the turning of things upside down. Hanging on to a word, believing. You see, Joseph was not the interpreter of that which he was believing for. Who was? The Lord. The Lord was the interpreter. Joseph became an interpreter of dreams, but it always wasn't that way. It wasn't always so. He couldn't interpret his own, but he had faith in what he could not see. He had faith in the mystery of God. And I'd like to encourage us all here today that when God speaks, we must believe. When we receive a word from the Lord, I don't know what word you've received today. It might be a word of healing that you're hanging on to. A word of provision that you're believing in, that you're clinging to. A word of deliverance, a word of 
reconciliation. I don't know what it is today. When God speaks, we must believe. And just because we can't interpret it and understand it doesn't negate believing faith. Take the Lord at his word. Let his word unfold. Is there anyone here today clinging to a word from the Lord? Hanging on to a word from the Lord? Anyone believing today? So the story plays out. Verse 25 to 28. They sat down to eat a meal. Then they lifted their eyes and looked. And there was a company of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels bearing spices, balm, and myrrh on their way to carry them down to Egypt. So Judah said to his brothers, What profit is there if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh. And his brothers listened. Then Midianite traders passed by, so the brothers pulled Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. And they took Joseph to Egypt. Verse 36, now the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and a captain of the guard. Already here, what an incredible journey of believing. It's never recorded that Joseph stopped believing. Think of what he faced, what he went through. No play-by-play, no timeline. Genesis 39, verses 1 to 6, now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. Listen to these words. The Lord was with Joseph. And he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house. And all that he had, he put under his authority. So it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house, And all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. And he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. What's the Lord preparing you for today? The Lord is with you in the preparing. The Lord is with you. You might not have the play-by-play. You might not have the timeline, but you have the Lord. Take the Lord at his word. Don't stop believing. Don't let go of the promise that you're hanging on to and holding on to. 
verses 6 to 20. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance, and it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with me in the house. And he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I. Nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So it was, as she spoke to Joseph day by day, that he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. And isn't that how it is? Voices day by day trying to get us to heed. But it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was inside that she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. And so it was when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled outside that she called to the men of the house and spoke to them saying, see, he has brought into us a Hebrew to mock us. He came in to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice, and it happened when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled and went outside. So she kept his garment with her until his master came home. Then she spoke to him with words like these, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you brought to us came in to mock me. So it happened as I lifted my voice and cried out, that he left his garment with me and fled outside. So it was when his master heard the words which his wife spoke to him, saying, Your servant did to me after this manner, that his anger was aroused. Then Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in the prison. Here's what I hear the Holy Spirit saying, and I trust you can receive the application today. The devil tries to catch us by our garment to frame us. Leave it in his hands. His accusations, his claims fail. There he holds the garment in hand and accuses us, but what he does not know is that the garment we wear isn't natural. And perhaps you're the one daring to believe today, and the devil's tried to get you to compromise your standard and your commitment to God. And you've not got into the bed he's made, and so he's got mad and grabbed your garment as you fled sinfulness and immorality's call. The word of the Lord to you today, don't worry, God's got you. Your garments aren't natural. You see, there was another time, an earlier time, when the devil snagged Joseph's garment. We back up to the beginning. It was a coat of many colors. And he tugged at the garment, he snagged the garment. And again, the devil didn't understand that it wasn't natural. The coat of many colors was woven into who Joseph was. In fact, it was who he was. Verses 21 to 23. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. You see, in the believing, he never stopped believing. The Lord is with him. The Lord 
with him. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. And he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Imagine that. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. We see the hand of God through it all. Genesis 40, verses 1 to 8, it came to pass after these things that the butler and the baker, the king of Egypt, offended their Lord, the king of Egypt, and Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief butler and the chief baker. So he put them into custody in the house of the captain of the guard, in the prison, the place where Joseph was confined. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them. So they were in custody for a while. Then the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, had a dream. Both of them, each man's dream in one night, and each man's dream with its own interpretation. And Joseph came into them in the morning and looked at them and saw that they were sad. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in the custody of his Lord's house, saying, Why do you look so sad today? And they said to him, We each have had a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. So Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell them to me, please. Joseph had learned this lesson, that interpretations belong to God. And so they tell Joseph their dreams, and Joseph interprets their dreams. And what happens next? Well, the baker is put to death, and the butler is restored to his position. And then Joseph makes a request, verses 14 and 15, Remember me when it is well with you, and please show kindness to me. Make mention of me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house, for indeed I was stolen away from the land of the Hebrews. And also, I have done nothing here. They should put me into the dungeon. I want to ask today, have you ever felt forgotten in your believing? You're daring to believe. You've received a word from the Lord. You're hanging on to that word. Have you ever felt forgotten? in your believing, and it just seems like roadblock after roadblock. Remember me. Well, what happens next? You want to know what happens next? Two full years pass by until Pharaoh dreams a dream and searches for one who can interpret dreams. Genesis 41, verses 9 to 13. The butler spoke to Pharaoh, saying, I remember my faults this day. 
When Pharaoh was angry with his servants and put me in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, both me and the chief baker, we each had a dream in one night, he and I. Each of us dreamed according to the interpretation of his own dream. Now there was a young Hebrew man with us there, a servant of the captain of the guard, and can I add of the true captain of the guard. And we told him and he interpreted our dreams for us. To each man he interpreted according to his own dream, and it came to pass just as he interpreted for us, so it happened. The butler had a mess to clean up that day. I remember my faults this day. Two years had passed. Verses 37 to 44, so the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants, and Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand and put it on Joseph's hand. And he clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. And he had him ride in the second chariot which he had. And they cried out before him, Bow the knee. So he set him over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh also said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no man may lift his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. What a journey of believing. I want to ask a question today. What was Joseph's greatest trial? This journey of believing, this hanging on and clinging to a word. What was Joseph's greatest trial? And you say, ah, rejection. That was his greatest trial. Then you think about it, nah, it's, it's got to be the pit. I mean, imagine being in the pit and your brother's on, on the outside. What was Joseph's greatest trial? And you come further on in the story and you say, it's got to be slavery. Can you imagine that? In a land that's not your own. Dad, fuel to the fire, being unjustly accused. Something you hadn't done. What was Joseph's greatest trial? And you say, it's got to be prison. And to think he was forgotten for two years after interpreting the dreams correctly. But to all those answers, I would say no. What was Joseph's greatest trial? Joseph's greatest trial was the word of the Lord. Think about it. 
Joseph's greatest trial was the word of the Lord. To not give up on the word of the Lord. To not let go of the word of the Lord. All these pressures come. His greatest trial was to keep believing when the odds seemed against him. Roadblock after roadblock. No timeline. No play-by-play. Just seems like I just got out of the pit. And now I just got sold into slavery. And now I just got unjustly accused. And now I'm in a prison. Glimmer of hope. And now I'm forgotten. His greatest trial, I want to nail this home today. Joseph's greatest trial was the word of the Lord. Listen to Psalm 105, verses 17 to 19. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons until the time that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. Wow. Are you a believer? Someone believing and being ridiculed and despised? A believer being tossed into a pit? A believer being sold out, serving, and being unjustly accused, imprisoned? Forgotten for a season beyond the seasons you've already had to endure. You see, Joseph never stopped believing. That's enduring, persevering faith. His greatest trial was the word of the Lord. A word that would shape his life. What word are you hanging on to today? What word are you holding on to today? Greatest trial is the word of the Lord. Can't you hear the enemy taunting him the whole way? Pitt, let's see you believe now. And those words we read, we shall see what becomes of your believing. Oh, but Joseph, he endured. He didn't stop believing. They pulled him out of the pit, and so the enemy taunting again, slavery, I, I dare you to believe. Joseph doesn't crack. Doesn't stop believing. And so unjust accusation and a prodding I often hear children voicing, I double-dog dare you to believe. And still he believed. And so let's try prison. I triple-dog dare you to believe. You see, what the enemy doesn't know is the truth. 
that when you dare a believing believer to believe, you just stir up and fuel the believing. They just believe all the more. Are you hanging on to a word today? Holding on to a word, believing, believing. We can have the worship team return. I want to share the following words with you. I believe these to be true and prophetic. Words of David Wilkerson. Let me show you the Joseph Company. A body of last day believers, wholly given to the Lord. They commune with God daily and are led by the Spirit in every detail of their lives. At this moment, they are coming out of great trials to enter a place of revelation, wisdom, and fruitfulness. God is working in them, giving them His truth and knowledge. And very soon, he is going to call upon them as he did Joseph. For the most part, the church today is experiencing widespread spiritual famine. Shallow sermons, dead hearers, lively worship that is not backed up by righteous living. God has always worked far in advance of every spiritual famine in his church. In every generation, he has moved ahead to prepare a way, to prepare a way out for his people. The 75 members of Jacob's clan would have died in the great worldwide famine, and the promise of Israel would have been destroyed had God not been working ahead of it all. In fact, some 20 years before the famine hit, God was already setting in motion a plan to save his people from destruction. God sent Joseph ahead to Egypt. For 20 years, God worked on this man. For 20 years, God worked on this man, isolating him, trying him, preparing him for a place of authority. Because Joseph was to become the lifesaver of God's chosen. He kept Joseph from the limelight in order that he might be ready for the coming day of chaos and death. Beloved, just as surely as God isolated Joseph, he has a Joseph company today that is hidden from all eyes. These are in the furnace of affliction, prisons of testing, battlegrounds of trials and temptations. They are dying to this world, wanting nothing of its fame, honor, money, or pleasure. And they are growing hungry to become more intimate with Christ, to know his heart and his voice. You may not understand all the mysterious testings, trials, and troubles in your life, if your heart is fully set on following Christ, you can rest assured God has purpose in it all. He wants to bring you into his Joseph company. This is more about him 
than it is about us. Our greatest trial, the word of the Lord. Daring to believe the word of the Lord until the time of its completed fulfillment. You know, Joseph wore many garments devil tugged at them all. He said, what are you talking about? We just went through all the history. I only read it to him. Coat of many colors. You know, I don't read of all these garments like where are they? He wore many garments and the devil tugged at them all. See, he wore the garment of a son. He wore the garment of a dreamer. He wore the garment of a believer. He wore the garment of a slave, a servant. He wore the garment of a prisoner. He wore the garment of a ruler. And he wore the garment of a brother and a son. Joseph never stopped daring to believe. You know, the enemy comes after us. Roadblock after roadblock, we're hanging on to a word from the Lord. The word of the Lord, our greatest trial. We're clinging to it, believing faith. And the enemy comes and up the heat and we hear the voice of hell we shall see what will become of their believing his believing and hers and yours and mine turns up the heat to have us crack to let go of our believing to let go of the word of the Lord to let go of the promise of God today, what is the Lord preparing you for? Listen, He is with you in the preparing. What are you believing for? What word, what promise are you clinging to and holding on to? Exhort the church today, don't let go. Don't pack it in. Persevere and endure. Believe the word of the Lord. Believe to see the goodness of the Lord. I just recently read these wise words. A dauntless faith in God brushes fear aside like the cobwebs in a giant's path. What are you believing for? And the enemy's coming and he turns up the heat. What he doesn't realize is the one who gave you the word is with you. He's with you. He's with you through it all. He's with us every step of the way. What are you believing for? The first service, as we were closing, I felt the Lord say, and I shared it. 
there are some that really aren't believing for anything. Just flatlined. No word from the Lord, no promise. Not believing for anything. The Spirit of the Lord would say, it's a day to ask the Lord to give you something to believe for. Something to go after. Something to set your eyes upon. Bible says the just shall live by faith. Bible also says that without vision people perish. I'd say without believing what happens, we're flatlined in the kingdom. We just come to church. We just go through the motions, act out the part, but God is calling us to be a believing people. Would you stand in this house today and would you just ask the Lord to give you something to believe in? And if he's already delivered a word to you, delivered a word to your family, delivered a word to your own heart or to the church, it could be a massive thing for a young person here today that's just 17 years of age and God says, here's the dream, here's what I'm giving you, here's the word of the Lord. And that's your greatest trial. Will you believe? It's a word that will set in motion your future and the unfolding of God's plan for your life. Or you're here today and you came into this house and you need deliverance. Or you know somebody that needs deliverance and you've been hanging on to this promise from God. You need deliverance from addiction, from depression. I don't know what it is today. And you're hanging on and you're believing, you're believing, you're believing. Don't stop believing. You're here today and you're crying out and you're praying, holding on to a promise for reconciliation, restoration. I don't know what it is for you today. Don't give up. The enemy comes and he screams in our ear. We shall see what becomes of your believing and he turns the heat up. And for some of you, the heat's getting hotter and hotter and hotter because he wants you to crack under the pressure.